0: Hello and welcome to the Photo Therapy Podcast brought to you by Oath Photography. I'm your host, Philip Slaughter, and today we are working on episode number three. Let's jump into it. So I originally created this show uh, to have in-depth discussions with fellow creators and to talk about photography, industry, uh, gear, news, and other topics of interest. And um, today I want to talk to you about Gas. Um, gear acquisition syndrome. I think this is a perfect week to talk about this. Currently, it is Prime Day. Prime Day on Amazon stretches over two days now, so you have a full 48 hours to buy all the stuff that you probably don't need. But that also includes some sale prices on things in the photo-video realm, such as um, some lenses, some uh, hard drives, some SD cards, memory cards, things like that. Those are some things that maybe you should look at getting when they are on sale because some of those things you're always going to need no matter what. If you can get them on sale, hey, that's even better. So check them out if you want. But today we're going to talk about gear and and what some people in the industry call gas or gear acquisition syndrome. I think that was originally coined by Tony Northrup, probably, on YouTube. um, Gear Acquisition Syndrome. But it's easy to get caught up in the hype of new gear. And trust me, I do it all the time. I love waking up in the morning, grabbing a cup of coffee, checking the B&H app at the Deal Zone, see if there's anything good in there, or checking YouTube for new photo gear reviews or reading through gear rumors like Sony Alpha Rumors or MirrorlessRumors.com. But that has got that's got to be tamed, you know. Uh, getting new gear has to be a need, not a want, for the most part. But we'll get into that in a minute. So many of you already know that I am a Sony pro photographer. Uh, I really love the innovation and the groundbreaking systems that they've produced. In fact, my very first digital camera was a Sony, like point-and-shoot digital camera. It was two megapixels and. The most I could afford at the time was a 1-gigabyte proprietary memory stick made by Sony. So that tells you how old I am. But I got that camera, and I loved the heck out of it because you could take photos, see them instantly, and take another one if you needed to. But Sony quickly dominated the mirrorless full-frame market, and they also were initially producing and releasing new cameras and lenses left and right like crazy they were catching up to the other big two which would be Canon and Nikon who were producing all sorts of amazing DSLR cameras but now that Sony had something a niche in the market the mirrorless cameras um, you know initially it was uh, Sony was making all kinds of mirrorless cameras in the APS-C lineup with their uh, NEX line Um, Fujifilm also made a ton of mirrorless cameras initially Um, some of the other ones, uh, Canon made their EOS M lineup. Uh, Nikon initially had their, what was it? Their one inch sensor mirrorless J. I had the J one originally, um, back in the day, but I think they called it the one system and it was amazing. You know, that was innovative. They had some Very expensive and okay lenses, and I think that was really their drawback. Was it was hard to get into with the lenses that they had. But all that I digress. Mirrorless cameras were kind of the up and coming thing, but they weren't fantastic yet. Then um, Fujifilm came out with a lot of theirs, and theirs were great. Their cameras are awesome, and they still are. Sony came out with the mirrorless full frame cameras, and were. They were kind of blowing everybody out of the water. And they quickly dominated by creating these niche cameras. So they had the Sony A7, then the A7R, which was their high megapixel camera, and then the A7S, which was their uh, video line camera um, that did stills and really high-quality video. Uh, and then they can- continued to create new cameras in those lineups, the next version and the next version and the next version, while also simultaneously coming up with new lenses and new lenses and new lenses to to fill that lineup, to fill that void that people were looking for. And people were jumping ship like crazy because they had all of this new technology inside these cameras, uh, whereas the Canons and Nikons of the world were... You know their new camera. You had to wait another four years uh, until your camera got updated. Whereas Sony was coming out with each niche camera every two years, but then they would, you know, each one they would have like a new announcement every six months or so for new cameras or new lenses. So Sony really dominated the market and in the full frame. Um, and most of them were all fantastic, but. Not all of them fit my needs or my budget. So you really kind of had to figure out what you needed and what you wanted. In the 1999 cinematic classic movie, The Matrix, the wise old woman called The Oracle tells Neo, the hero of the story, to know thyself. And I think that's a fantastic place to start when it comes to gear acquisition. Before you purchase something, you need to know yourself, know your budget, know your style, Know your current gear limitations and know your gear limitations. Will this new piece of gear that you're looking at fill the gaps that you're missing? Another thing to think about when purchasing new gear is to look at your recent body of work. We all continue to grow. We all continue to get better with our photography, hopefully. But when you look at your most recent body of work, figure out what photos need better quality, what type of photos need better quality gear or if your technique or your style needs some attention first, I highly, highly recommend invest in yourself, invest in your training before you invest in that new gear. Because if you have that new piece of gear, that's not going to necessarily make you a better photographer. It will just give you higher quality photos of your bad photography, and it's going to show it even more. And I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think anybody wants to show off They're terrible photos in high quality when you could be using that money to invest in yourself, invest in your training, invest in your, maybe it's, um, you know, a tutorial or a weekend conference that you go to, or, uh, maybe you do need a new, uh, software update or something like that, that costs a little bit of money. Invest in some of those things first, before you buy the new lens that is a tad bit better than what you already have. You know, think about those things before you invest in your gear. So when should you buy new gear or when should you upgrade your current system? I would say when before you hit the buy now button, think about this. When your needs exceed the camera specs while fitting into your budget, that's when you can upgrade. So let me say that again. When your needs exceed the camera specs or the specs of the, Whatever piece of gear you're looking at, when your needs exceed those specs that you, that you need for your photography, while still fitting into your budget, that's when you can upgrade. And that while fitting into your budget is really important. So for me, as a, a Sony shooter, I use the Sony, currently I have my most recent camera is the Sony A7 IV. It's a fantastic camera, does really great at video. Does really great at it. photos. It's a thirty-three megapixel camera. Has a little flippy screen. Does almost everything that I would need. It is twenty-five hundred dollars. That's expensive, but uh, I can dream and I can want and I can look at you know all the websites that sell this. But the Sony A one is their flagship camera. It's a sixty-five hundred dollar camera. It has 50 megapixels, it shoots 8K video, it does a lot of things that my camera does not do. But that doesn't fit my budget. $6,500 is a lot more than $2,500. Do I need those specs for most of the jobs that I do? Mm, Probably not. Would I like it? Sure, oh yeah, that would be great. But do I need it? Probably not. So when you're looking at these things, you have to see what your needs are and what fits in your budget. If your needs for a photo or video shoot that you are planning on, if your needs exceed what your camera uses or has, but you don't think you're going to need it all the time, maybe rent. Rent a camera. See if you like it. See if that's what you need for the future. Or see if that's maybe just what you need for that one shoot and stick with what you got for other shoots. I hate to say this because like, I... I am one that I would love to always upgrade and love to always buy the latest, greatest, newest thing or have a shelf full of lenses and cameras that, um, that look cool and work great. But I know that those are not always the things that I need. And the art comes from within me. The creativity comes from within me, not my camera. The camera is just a tool to express those things, to show those things. So Really think about what your art and your creativity need, and use the proper tools to express those, if that makes sense. Um, so another story, I had the Fujifilm X100F. That's their F is for four fourth generation um, X100 camera. Super awesome point and shoot rangefinder digital rangefinder camera these are great this was the fourth generation of those cameras and they had not upgraded the lens so this was using a I think it was a 23 millimeter f 2.8 lens or maybe f2 lens that um, was on all four generations of this camera hadn't been updated it was okay but not tack sharp so when they came out with the X100V, the fifth generation of this camera, they had updated the lens. They had updated, it had a flippy screen, which is something I love using, flippy screen, or a little pop-up screen, I'm sorry. Um, it also had um, updated viewfinder, updated autofocus system, updated video uh, capabilities. So those are things, when I used the original X100F, F, used it for a long time. I really love that camera, but I was able to see the things that were lacking in that camera. I made mental notes of, okay, it would be awesome if this camera had this, this, and this spec. And if the next generation has those things that can keep up with my photography, great. I will try to up- upgrade to that. But this camera still works okay for what I need, but my my uh, my needs were exceeding the specs of that camera so that's when I knew it was a good time for me to upgrade to the next camera but also my budget I was using this camera as a carry around take it everywhere kind of camera um, using it for some product photography that I was using in some outdoor kind of not really remote locations but places that if I had to carry the products that I was taking and the camera we're looking at a lot of gear. So if I could downsize that, it was just the right camera for what I needed for that job. So the budget also allowed for me to use that camera for the things that I needed. So in that respect, so in that aspect, my needs were exceeding the camera specs and it fit into my budget to buy a new one. So I was able to sell that one, help fund a new one, and buy the new camera. There you go. That's that's how I have done it in my, my photography. Same thing with my Sony a7 III. That is an amazing camera. When it came out, upgrading from the Sony a7 II to the a7 III was a game changer. New battery, new autofocus system, new colors. It was amazing, and I still love that camera. The Sony a7 III was just a game changer, even for a lot of people, a game changer for photos. Then the Sony a seven IV came out and I had been using the Sony a seven III for what three, four years now. And so I was already able to see, okay, maybe I need faster this, or maybe need, you know, the next camera, it would be awesome. If it had this button or it had this capability. So when the new Sony a seven IV came out, it had a whole long list of things that were exactly what I was looking for. And I usually shoot with two cameras anyway. So I knew that that was a good upgrade for me to jump into that fit within the budget of what I need for my shooting uh, style and capabilities, stuff like that. So look at what you have, look at the gaps in your system, see what fits your budget, see if that is something that you need or if it's something that you want and then decide to make that purchase or not make that purchase. Another caveat to some of this also is try renting. Renting is a good way to do things. Uh, if you have a need for something specific and it fits the budget for the, the project that you're working on, uh, renting is always a great way to do things or even borrow. You know, I really recommend getting to know the other photographers in your town or your city, wherever you're at. Um, build a community of photographers around you. Get to know them learn from them, um, maybe possibly try to borrow or meet up for a, a photo walk or something like that, see what gear they're using and see if any of those pieces of kit would fit into your um, your system and whether it works or not. But all that being said, don't upgrade just because it's the cool new thing or that's what all the YouTubers are using. Upgrade because it fits your art and your creativity and your needs and your budget. Don't forget budget, that's important. (laughs) Okay, we're gonna skip back to news. I usually try to share news at the beginning and I kinda just skip that, so we're gonna jump back into that. Um, One of the first pieces of news that I wanted to share is um, obviously we're talking about gear. This is um, Amazon's deal, Prime Day deal week or whatever. By the time this comes out, it may be over Um, But also look at some of the other sites like B&H and Adorama. And I think even Best Buy have some deals going on to kind of match what Amazon is doing so that they're not left behind. But think about those things. Next story is from F-stoppers. And they're sharing about NASA's new web telescope. Um, So this is a scientific successor to the Hubble Space Telescope. This is the James Webb Space Telescope. It's brand new, just came out. Um, and it's been 26 years in the development of this this telescope. It's a, a successor to this, the Hubble Space Telescope, which I've told you, um, which you probably have heard that name. Um, but this new one, uh, after numerous delays, um, a lot of cost overruns, major redesign, and a $10 billion telescope. It's finally sending us our first images from the telescope from in space. So basically what happens is they shoot this telescope into space. It becomes more or less like a satellite drifting off into space and takes amazing photos from way, way, way off to show us deep space, what's out there, and sends them back via radio to the people on the ground and they're able to put these photos together, edit them to view on like computers and stuff like that. Cause these, all of these photos from this telescope are, I believe, infrared. So that's not something you're going to be able to see with the naked eye, but with this camera can translate those radio waves or light waves into something we can see and study. So this telescope has been in development for 26 years now. It's able to observe or determine the presence of water or clouds and haze in the atmosphere of a planet that is 1,120 light years away. So think about that. They're using a camera way up in space to see 1100 light years away to see if there's water or clouds in the sky. That's amazing. And I, I think this is a huge win for the photography community because we, over the last 15 years have been using our cell phones as our main camera. And you put that in your pocket. It's an okay camera. But it's always with you, so cool, whatever. Everybody's got one. Everybody can take pictures, take selfies, and, and whatnot. But they have also somewhat killed off the point-and-shoot camera range because who needs a point-and-shoot camera when you have a uh, – like on my iPhone, I've got three cameras built in, a wide-angle, a telephoto, a normal lens. Why, why do I need a point-and-shoot camera that does okay if I have a cell phone that I can connect to Instagram or Facebook automatically or edit the photos right there. There's also computational photography built into this phone that I can create okay images for something that's already in my pocket. Right? So over the years, some of this photography market has really been killed off. And so a lot of these companies are really suffering. So Nikon specifically is one of those that like, it's a smaller company It makes amazing cameras and amazing lenses, but it's a smaller company, and so it's not able to um, be as innovative in the photography market because it has to find the money somewhere. Canon, on the other hand, is a much bigger company. Creates a lot of printers, a lot of um, imaging-type stuff for other industries, so medical industries and things like that. But also, Canon's a much bigger company, like I said, so it's able to support the innovation that it needs for developing new cameras. Sony is a ginormous company building all kinds of electronics, and it has the infrastructure to come out with the latest, greatest photo equipment because it has all of this R&D research and development to put into their cameras and their optical systems, right? Well, these companies have been suffering because of, you know, kind of the the gap between cell phone cameras and big mirrorless or DSLR cameras. There's kind of a big gap in the market there. So you're either a professional photographer or you have a cell phone. Well, this kind of thing, I think, hopefully, will bring back the importance of the scientific community and the research that goes into building high quality imaging systems, right? So, the, this giant camera that we've launched into the space can take pictures 1,100 light years away, and that's important. People are going to, this is a national and international news story that's exciting for everybody, not just the scientists, but everybody. And I think that'll bring more relevance and more light to, um, the, the photographic community and how important capturing some of these things are. So hopefully that helps. But if you scroll through some of these photos that it's sending back, it's amazing to see, um, just what it's able to capture. Also, while I'm on the subject, the computational photography in your cell phone, I I really wish we had some of that, some of it inside Are bigger cameras, and I I hope that that will come out soon. But um, just the ability to switch from, you know, the telephoto lens to the wide lens to the normal lens or also using some of the filters like the, the portrait mode in your camera to change the way that the camera is viewing what's coming through the lens is amazing. Similarly to this telescope, this giant camera in the sky is shooting only infrared images, but is able to translate that into something that we can view and, you know, gawk over, you know, some of these images online. So huge win for what's going on in the scientific community and research and and photography. Just amazing. So scroll through some of those photos. It's amazing to see what's going on. I'm still waiting on photos of aliens, but I'm not sure if we'll ever see those. So, okay. So the next story I wanted to talk about is, um, similarly, people taking selfies, you know, on their phones can, uh, can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing. And in this case, it's a bad thing. So Petapixel has an article out, um, about a tourist who ignores warning signs and falls into a volcano while taking a selfie. Now, probably no surprise here, the first line of the story is, an American tourist, so you can probably tell that sometimes we uh, we get a little overzealous about taking pictures of ourselves as Americans, but this happened at Mount Vesuvius in Italy. This is um, the famous Mount Vesuvius that erupted and took out the city of Pompeii in 79 AD, burying the Roman site under tons and tons of ash and pumice nearly 2,000 years ago. Um, So Mount Vesuvius, very popular um, visiting site. Uh, This is also, I think it said in this article, um, he tumbled down and was unable to climb back out he was able to be rescued after falling into the crater of an active volcano. Remember this is an active volcano. Um, And he walked past a closed off path uh, with his family, took his family up there, ignored warning signs and fell in. And this is apparently the most dangerous volcano in the world. It's an active volcano and that's not something to be taken lightly. So please follow the the warning signs of these places, whether it's a volcano or at a national park where you're not supposed to get too close to the animals. I recently posted a photo on my landscape photography, um, Instagram page PS outdoors. Uh, if you want to check it out, but recently posted a photo of some bison, American bison, uh, which are amazing animals, but people every year get too close and they get injured or gored because, because they get too close and they're, Scaring the animals and the animals will uh out of their own nature retaliate. you know they're scared, so they have to defend themselves or defend their families, they're young, and people get injured every year. This is like a one ton giant cow that can move faster than you can, and people just don't take it seriously enough. so all that bring it back, bring it back to the podcast. Just don't mess around, follow the rules. Follow the warning signs and don't be stupid while you're taking selfies. Selfies are not that important. Nobody wants to see your face that bad. Okay. Uh, And another story, I'm not really sure if this is a good one or not. DP Review is sharing with us that Nikon is confirming it's increasing its lens prices on August 1st. So... Some people might be thinking, Oh, why Why are they increasing their prices? It's getting so expensive, blah, blah, blah. But I think if we flip it around and we say, thank you, Nikon for letting us know there is such thing as inflation. There is such thing as, um, you know, price increases across the market. At least Nikon is letting us know, Hey, we're raising our prices. Go buy your stuff now, or just be prepared to spend a little extra in the future. Um, and as I said earlier, Nikon um, is not as big of a company as some of the other ones. And so these price increases are also going to reflect, hopefully, in the future, some of their innovation that they will be bringing out in the future. So um, if you're a Nikon shooter, if you're looking at getting new gear, remember, think about if it's going to fit your, your needs and your budget. Um, and if so, buy that maybe before August 1st because prices are increasing. So, uh, good for Nikon for letting us know ahead of time instead of just surprising us on August 1st. Okay. So that's, uh, that's it for the news. And then, uh, I always like to wrap up every show with a gear recommendation. Uh, I talked about gear quite a bit during this show, but I also want to recommend things because that's a great way to learn about things that maybe you don't know about or, um, to find things that uh, might fit your needs. So, as part of my business, I do a lot of photography, but also do a lot of videography. And so I choose to purchase cameras and lenses and gear that fits both of those. Uh, Sony has obviously done a great job at that. Um, with my Sony a7 IV, can shoot 4K up to 60p in a crop mode, um, shoot to 120p in HD mode, but also has a great camera system, super-fast autofocus, um, just amazing all around for stills and video. But video typically brings in a lot of other things, other accessories or other peripherals that need to be used, So such as microphones, um, constant lighting, um, sometimes larger tripods, and a lot of those take a lot of batteries. So sometimes you're looking at V-mount batteries, which ha- brings power to all of your gear, um, you know, that's on your rig. So my recommendation this year is to look into if you're doing video, look into rig gear. So I, I personally like to use Small Rig and Tilta brand, um, just because those are some of the ones I'm familiar with, and they're decently priced for for the quality that you get. Um, So when I build out my rig for larger video shoots, I I love having a cage. So that's a a metal bracket that goes all the way around your camera and has screw holes all around. So you can attach and detach and put things wherever you need it for your video shoot. So I use a a camera rig um, cage with rails that has a top handle. I have a little cold shoe that I can mount my microphone on. I also have a side handle for when I do handheld stuff. And then I've got, um, you know, these 18 millimeter rails that go underneath that can hold um, my V mount battery. And then it holds also, I've got a Tilta matte box that goes around my lens. So I've got everything kind of connected to one piece. So when I need to go from my tripod to my bag or from my bag to handheld, it's all in one package and I don't have to like, you know, be hand holding other things while I'm trying to focus on creating the video. But it also helps protect the camera body itself with that cage that goes around it. So I recommend if you shoot any kind of video uh, and you have any larger projects, look into the small rig gear or tilta gear uh, for your camera. It may be beneficial to uh, to look into that and invest in some of that over over time in the future so that's it that's all i got for my show talking about gear acquisition talking about our stories and my gear recommendation for the week um i'm sorry that this podcast is coming up a little bit later my goal is to come out with these every two weeks um we were out of town and had some sickness in the family so sorry guys i appreciate you listening to the show please give it a subscription uh, or subscribe to our our show um share it with others too because I would love to meet or talk with other people and share some of this information with as many photographers, videographers, visual creatives as possible. I am working on lining up some uh, some guests on the show that will be hopefully super interesting. I'm looking forward to just at least get digging in some of the information with some of these people and uh, I hope you will too. So, that's it for today. Thank you so much. You can find me online at oathphoto.com or oath underscore photography on Instagram. Uh, if you want to find me on uh, Instagram personally, I'm P Slaughter34 on Instagram. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you. Feel free to uh, drop me an email, drop me a line, on uh, shoot me a DM on the instagrams if you uh have any questions or thoughts about this show and uh and we'll see you in the next episode of the photo therapy podcast